Next, I'd like to welcome Carol Hudson up. She's going to be giving her, her personal testimony at this time. So please, everybody, welcome her. Carol. just pray just for a second, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, you know that uh, the words I'm about ready to say are a little difficult. They're uh, my testimony. They are uh, they're very truthful praise to you. They're not so much my words or your words, and they're going to touch somebody. They're going to touch somebody out there that's listening to me. No doubt about it. So please, Lord, be with me. I'm going to give you the praise, and I give you the glory for all that is about to happen. Thank you, Jesus. Whenever I was 10 years old, I was sexually abused. I uh, didn't have anybody I could go to, didn't have uh, anyone I could say, hey, this happened to me. I love my mom very much. My mom was a good mom. She was raising four kids all by herself. and uh, We were poor, but, you know, we didn't even know it because she gave us so much love, and there was so much richness in that love. So I couldn't possibly tell her that her most precious baby was uh, being hurt. Uh, I went to God. Mom made sure that we went to church every Sunday. So I knew there was a God. And that song, Jesus Loves Me, they are weak, but he is strong. That means special, very special message to me. So during this time, I kept just singing that song to myself and thinking also of that one verse in the Bible that says, uh, uh, to live is God. And to die is gain. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll just go ahead and I'll die. Because I, I, I've, I've, I'm living through terrible, terrible times. And so dying would be gain for me. And that was at 10, 10 years old. And I felt so ashamed. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but whenever you're a child and you're going through something like that, you feel ashamed. And I loved the person that was doing it. That's the other thing. 
I loved him very much. He was very kind. He was very good. He loved me very much. And I didn't want anything to ever happen to him. And of course, to me, there was no forgiving because I loved him. And I wanted to do whatever I could to protect him too. Okay, so one day, this lady came to our home, and well, in 1957, whenever all of this was going on, people came to your house selling their whatever it was, whether it was Bibles or their trades. She wanted to give somebody in my house guitar lessons, and she was going to do it for free. And mom picked me because she knew something was wrong with her daughter. So every Saturday, I went to her and I had guitar lessons with other children. And uh, pretty soon, she started having me over every weekend. After I got done with the guitar lesson, we went to her house. We went to church on Sunday and uh, it came to happen that her daughter was chosen to be in the choir for the Billy Graham Crusade in um, San Francisco at the Cow Palace. So for seven days, I went to the Billy Graham Crusade. And on the seventh day, I don't know why it took me that long, because <laughs> he's pretty... I, I don't know, I, I, seven days, that's the, in, in the Bible it says that's completion, right? Everything was completed in seven days. So uh, on the seventh day, and that was the last night, uh, this lady came over to me with uh, my friend, the guitar teacher, and we sat down right where we were. I didn't have to walk all the way down like everybody else. And right there, I accepted God as my personal Savior. I, 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 I can't tell you what it was like. I, I really can't. There's no words. There's no words. I was living in a closet in the darkness. I was ready to die. And all of a sudden, I wasn't afraid anymore. I wasn't ashamed anymore. And all of glory was just heaped on me, and everything else was lifted away. Right there, in that seat with two of my very angels, guardians, helping me to uh, live, literally live. We soon moved away. My, we moved into Hayward. But uh, I'll never forget that... Uh, that sweet, 
sweet feeling of wanting to live again and having something to live for. Now, there's been a lot of time. I'm 74 years old this month. So there's been a lot of other things that have happened to me. But I've never, ever been alone again. Christ has been there beside me every step of the way. Every single step of the way, he has been there. He has performed so many miracles. I used to keep journals. You know, I stopped because I've helped other girls since. I've helped them not only get past their experience, but also get past the judgment on that person that did it. Because you know that's what really kills you. It's such a distraction whenever you can't forgive. So believe me whenever I say, if anything ever happened to you, you have to learn to forgive. Because if you don't, it takes away from all your harmony. And it takes away from your walk with Christ. So no matter what it is, or who did it, you have to forgive. That's my testimony. Thank you, Carol, for that. We have to remind ourselves sometimes that you know our stories can be impactful to others. Your story, if you haven't told it yet, should be spilled, told to everybody else so that they can use that. Maybe that's what's moving in their lives. And they may see that story and, or hear it and say, I'm going through the same thing. And knowing that God can lift you out of that position wherever you're at in your life. And it doesn't have to be the same thing that Carol spoke about. It could be something else. Maybe something that one of your stories could tell somebody to say, hey, God can help you too. He can be in your life and change it, turn it completely around. So if you have a story, make sure you sign up and get up here and let us hear about it. Because we don't know. I mean, it could be that somebody is listening online right now and that story just moved them. They could see this video that we're posting a week from now or a month from now or even a year from now and that may move them at that time. God plants seeds every single day with what we do and what we say. And we need to make sure we're putting our testimony out there for everyone to hear it. I'd now like to welcome Pastor Larry back up to the pulpit. And everybody give him a hand, please. Amen. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Carol, for your testimony. Powerful testimony. The Lord, um, 
and all the things that you had to go through, but the Lord came came through for you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, thank you, Claudia, for your wonderful wonderful song once again. Beautiful, beautiful. Merry Christmas, everybody. Amen. Good to be back. Good to see everybody. You know, coming up, what is it, uh, Wednesday? <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> what day is it? Today? It's Saturday. Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm a couple of days off. <laughs> All right, everybody. So today, we're getting ready for Saturday. We're getting ready to celebrate the most important event in history. The event that divided history into B.C. and A.D. B.C. before Christ, A.D. Anno Domini, meaning in the year of our Lord. Jesus, when he the, the day he was born, he left his glory above and came to enter into our world to bring light into darkness, freedom from bondage, and life where there was death. Jesus came like an army invading to rescue, to rescue a people who were defeated under the dominion of their captors. Jesus came to free us from the dominion of darkness and of sin and of death, the invasion of Christ. You know, June 6, 1944 was the D-Day, the day of the invasion of Normandy, the day that the United States and Britain and other allies, the allied powers, came to rescue those in Europe who had been captive uh, to to reclaim the territory. And it took a year. It took a year of battles at a great cost of human life. But after that year, the victory was won. The battle was won. And it's a perfect picture of Jesus, of the, the kingdom of heaven invading earth below. Because, you know, since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, sin. Satan and darkness has had dominion, has had dominion upon us. And Christ came to invade that darkness. He came to rescue us. And it was the beginning of the end of Satan's evil empire when Christ was born and when he, when he walked upon this earth and when he when he uh, went about his public ministry, he was liberating people from bondage, bondage to sin, bondage to Satan. He was expanding his kingdom. And when he died on the cross and rose again, he opened the door wide open for all who would come to him, all who would believe, all who would enter in to the kingdom of life. His invasion began as a baby. Born in the city of Bethlehem. We're going to read in just a moment how the angels proclaimed the message and the ordinary people they proclaimed it to. God, yes, has a message. So let's read. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to read the Christmas story this morning. 
I think it will also be up on our screen. And uh, if you would go ahead and those who are willing and able, if you could stand with me. We're going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. It says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were, the, were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone upon them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will, you will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had, what had been told them about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. God has a message. God has a message for you and for me. He has a message to be received. And his message is the message of Jesus. Open your eyes to the message. Open your ears to the message. Open your heart to the message. And when you do, when you receive it by faith, God will give you experiences. And there are two experiences we're going to look at this morning that God brings with the message of Jesus. And the first is this. God brings peace to our heart. 
peace to our soul, peace to our heart. It's a peace that comes through obeying God, through obeying Him, listening to Him, hearing His voice, and receiving the revelation. What is the revelation God gives us in Jesus? The revelation is this. In Jesus, God became flesh. In Jesus, God reached down to man and took on human form. In Jesus, God dwelt among us. John chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus is called the Word, and it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it continues on. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Jesus is God in flesh. He brings peace to our heart. Jesus is called Emmanuel, as we've sang this morning, Matthew 1, 23, one of the names given to Christ is Emmanuel, which means God with us. It means God is with us. God came to be with us in Jesus, and he's with us today. He was with us when Jesus walked on the earth. He was with us when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and he's with us today. And he's with you, whatever you've got to go through, whatever it might be, he's with you to give you his peace in the midst of hardship. Now, Joseph and Mary were going through hardship. They were on a road, a 70-mile road, and it wasn't an easy trip. They had been given, and look at verse 1 and 2, there, there was a census given. The emperor, the emperor Caesar Augustus, enter, issued a census for political reasons. All who belonged to the Roman Empire needed to go back to their own town. That was their town of their family's origin. Now, David was in the line of, I'm sorry, Joseph was in the line of David and Mary as well. So they had to go all the way back, 70-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And it was not an easy road. She was three months pregnant, at least three months pregnant when they began the trip. And this was at least a three-day trip, maybe more. Mary might have been able to ride on a donkey. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but that's kind of how the tradition says it. Either way, it was a difficult trip at a difficult time in a difficult way. And the road was not a smooth road. It was a bumpy road, but God did not soften the road for them. He gave them the strength for the journey. Amen? Watch out now. <laughs> he gave them the strength for the journey. And so, and so, but they had God's peace because they knew they were in God's will. Why did they have God's peace? Because of this. They were obeying the laws of the government. Romans 13 tells us to do that. They were obeying the laws of God, the will of God. And they were walking in God's peace. The 13th century Christian philosopher Dante says, in his will is our peace. When you're walking in the will of God, you're experiencing the peace of God. Now, here's the thing. They were being obedient to God. They were being obedient to the government. And they were in the place God wanted them to be. It wasn't a comfortable place. It wasn't a convenient place. But it was a place God wanted them to be. What does it tell us? 
You know, you might be going through a place that's very uncomfortable in your life. You might be going through a place that's inconvenient in your life, but doesn't, that doesn't mean you're not in the middle of God's will. You see, sometimes God has a purpose. He had a purpose for Joseph and Mary. They were not in a comfortable place, but it was, it was for God's purpose. Here's the thing. God, he might have you to go through these things, but he, he always promises his, his presence. He promises to provide, and he promises his peace. They were experiencing God's peace in the midst of their hardship. In the 70-mile journey that they had to take, and God's purpose was being fulfilled in this census of the Emperor Augustus. Why? Because hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, there was a prophecy in the book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, that said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. This was the method that God would use to move Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was all in God's purpose. And it was all in God's plan. They were walking with the Lord, with his peace. And when they got to Bethlehem, this is the thing. It, it, it wasn't comfortable and con convenient for them. And it was going to get a lot less comfortable and convenient when they got there. Right? You remember the story. They got there. They were tired. They were exhausted. They could find no place to stay. No room in the inn. No room in a guest house, no room anywhere for Mary to have a comfortable birth for her baby. But there was one man. There was one householder that took pity on this shelterless couple. And he said, well, you can come into my, where we have our manger. It might have been a stable, it might have been a cave, we don't know. But the manger is a feeding trough for the animals. It happened to be a perfect place to lay down the, the, uh, for the baby's crib. But this is where Jesus was born, in this dark, smelly place, in the midst of hardship and discomfort, because Christ came to enter our world. He came to invade the darkness. And he came to be with us, to live with us, to experience the hardship of humanity. Christ didn't come to escape the world. He came to save the world. Amen? Because God so loved the world. There goes that tree again. <laughs> because God so loved the world. You know, there's a lot of ways people today are trying to uh, escape the world. Uh, many ways. People are trying to escape the stresses of life, trying to, to hide, if you will. There's, one, there's even devices you can buy to help you escape, escape this world. <laughs> one uh, one kind of comical device, I think, uh, uh, it, it, the device that you can buy is called an ostrich pillow. <laughs> an ostrich pillow. An ostrich pillow. It, you, it's a pillow. It's kind of fluffy pillow with seams, and you can put it right over your head, and, and it's got a little... It's got a little hole in there for your mouth and your nose. It's a perfect little pillow if you're in a busy airport and you want to try to get some. You kind of look like a Martian when you put it on. <laughs> People, of course, you might get some funny looks, but you won't know your head's in, your head's in the pillow. 
But people try all kinds of ways to escape. That's one way. Jesus didn't come to escape the world, amen? He came to conquer the world. He came to overcome the world. John 16, 33, he says, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. Jesus came to conquer. His peace is a conquering peace. His peace is a triumphant peace. He came to bring light to the darkness. Do you know when Jesus died on the cross, Colossians 2.15 tells us, there were the, the, the demonic forces, spiritual darkness. And it says this, when he died on the cross, he says he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Jesus came to conquer. His peace is a conquering peace. He gives us peace in the midst of our hardship and peace in the heart of believers. Let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this. It says, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The King James actually translates it a, more, a little more literally. You will find a baby in swaddling clothes. Okay. The idea in the original language is strips of cloth that, that hug the baby, that, that are snug and hug the baby. They give the baby a sense of... of uh, uh, protection from the outside elements, a, se a sense of warmth, a sense of security. I remember when my wife, uh, Tess, her daughter Sarah, my stepdaughter, had her first baby about two years ago. And, and she, her daughter Sarah liked to wrap her daughter in swaddling um, blanket. What's it called, love? Swaddle, swaddle blanket, swaddling blanket. And that baby was so, when she was in that blanket, she was so quiet and comfortable, and just at peace. Because she knew she was protected. She was at peace because she knew she was protected. You know, God wants us to experience that same kind of peace because we know we're protected by Him. Just like, just like the shepherds watching over the sheep. Just like the shepherds watching over the sheep, God protects us. He guards us. You know, there's an interesting thing in, in, in that, that word that's used in the original language, watching over, keeping watch over them. It's the same word that's used in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, same root word, that talks about God guarding or watching over our hearts and minds. If you have a Bible, you'd like to turn there with me, let's take a look. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. It's a familiar verse to many of you, I'm sure. And it talks about our prayer life. And it says this, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It talks about uh, the peace of God against our uh, uh, anxiety. It says this, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, that's our word, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He'll guard you. He'll watch over you. Like the shepherd watches over the sheep. What is it that guards us? It's the peace of God. 
The peace of God guards your mind. The peace of God guards your heart. The peace of God, God protects you from fear. It's like a wall of protection. It's like a wall of protection. God, when you trust him in this way, praying and giving thanks, when you trust him in this way, he will not let the waters of worry invade the space in your heart and mind that's reserved for his needs. He will not let the waters, he will protect you from the waters of worry that can swell up into a tsunami. You remember 10 years ago, some of you might remember, there was a tsunami in Japan. It was an enormous tsunami. Killed 20,000 people. Uh, Villagers were flattened. Everything that was in his path was destroyed. And the government decided after this catastrophic occurrence to build a wall. It's the biggest anti-tsunami wall ever built. 15 yards high, 250 miles long to protect them from the next tsunami. It is, and the cost, the cost is enormous. 17 billion, with a B, 17 billion dollars to, to build this wall. It's now called the Great Wall of Japan, and it's an example of humans trying to create a secure environment at any cost. The protection that God gives us also came at a cost. It did not come at a cost you can pay for with money. It came at the cost of his perfect son, his sacrifice for our sins. You know, those shepherds out on the field that night might have been shepherds that were shepherding the lambs that were brought to the temple that were used for sacrifice for the sins of the people. And God and the angels yelled out, the angels called out to the shepherds to go and behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And they beheld him. And they beheld him. Jesus, Jesus purchased our pardon. He purchased our pardon with God. He purchased our peace with God with the sacrifice he made as the Lamb of God. Jesus. The angels sang in verse 14. Let's take a look. In verse 14, they sing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. They were announcing to the shepherds to go and behold. They were announcing that, that there is peace to all those on whom God's favor rests. Who does God's favor rest upon? It rests upon those who rest in Him. Those who trust in Christ. Those who put their, their, their faith in Jesus and we receive His peace when we accept Him by faith. His peace in the midst of hardship. His peace in the hearts of believers. Secondly, not only does the message of Jesus bring peace to our hearts, but it brings praise to God. Let's look. Verse 9. Verse 9. It says this. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The God, God of heaven shone his glory, and they were terrified. The angels that appeared to the shepherds were, were, were the glory of heaven coming down to, to, to tell of the Savior's birth. And it says this in verse 10, Suddenly, an army of angels appeared, and they began to sing, and they began to sing this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on all those on whom His favor rests. Glory to God. They were singing. They were singing of the, of the love of God. And, and, and all of a sudden, the fear in these shepherds turned into joy because they heard the good news. Gloria in excelsis Deo. That's the Latin. That's where we get our song. Glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? You've got the angels singing loudly. I imagine the harmony was so beautiful. On that silent night air. And you heard... Their voices. Can you imagine? And so the shepherds heard the message and they heard the song of praise. The song of praise for the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel. God was communicating his message, his heavenly message to ordinary men in an ordinary place. He broke through heaven to earth with the message to these shepherds in the fields at night. He could, have got his, he could have brought his message to the most noble in society. He could have brought his message to the, 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 the highest people in rank. But he brought his message to the common man. He brought his message to the lowly shepherds. God's message is for the common man. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Apostle Paul says, Brothers, think about it. Think about when you were called, who you were. Not many of you were wise by the world's standards. Not, not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. See, the message of the gospel is for common man. God brought it to the common man. In verse 15, it says, it, in verse 15, the angels left him. And the, and, the, and, and, and the shepherds said this, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing which the Lord has told us. Another translation says it this way, what the Lord has made known to us. In other words, this is a direct message from God himself to these common men. To these common men. The gospel and the word announce here. It, the word announce, it says in verse 10, this message, he says, this is, this is a, a message of joy for all people. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all people, not just a few. And when it says that they, they were bringing the message, announcing the message, the word there is evangelizo. Verse 10, evangelizo, that's the word we get, our word evangelize. To evangelize is to speak the good news, to proclaim good news. What's the good news? The good news is the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the fact that the news that God sent us the perfect Christmas present. It's a present uh, you can only receive 
by faith. Just like you can only be saved by faith. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. By faith. By faith. If you believe. You were saved through faith. Faith in who? Faith in who? Faith in Jesus. You know, in Christmas time, we often exchange gifts, don't we? To share our love with one another. To show our love for each other. Well, God gave us the greatest gift of all to what? To show his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's for everyone. Whosoever, whatever social class you are, whatever ethnic group we are, whatever nation you're from, whatever sexual gender you are, it's for you. Jesus came for you. He came to save you. You've just got to receive him. You've got to receive the gift because God, the Bible says it this way, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. God has eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. You've just got to receive it. You see, that's the good news, isn't it? Eternal life, is it found in Jesus Christ? It's found in Jesus. There's pray, uh, the message of Jesus brings praise to God for the good news of the gospel. When you receive, when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive eternal life, you no longer have to walk in darkness out of fellowship with God. There is a God who, in heaven who wants you to know the joy of his love. What does it say in there in verse 10? This is a great news for joy. This is a good news. It's going to be great joy for all people. Joy for those who believe him. Joy for those who receive him. Joy for those who walk with him in his light. And it comes from the love of God through Jesus Christ. Just like those allied forces uh, invaded Normandy to, to, free, uh, to free the Europeans from the grip of the Nazi Germany. Jesus came to free us from the grip and the dominion of sin and Satan. Jesus invaded the earth for us. Receiving the message of Jesus brings praise to our God for the good news of the gospel and for the truth of the gospel. You know, the truth of the gospel is verifiable. This is very important. Verse 12. It says this. The angel said, I will give you a sign. There will be a sign. They were good enough to give them a sign. In other words, they're telling them, there's proof in what I'm telling you. You can verify this. If you go to where I'm telling you, there's going to be a baby. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he's going to be lying in a manger. That's this one now. <laughs> he's going to be lying, but they're beautiful. Thank you. I probably, um, Joyce probably put those beautiful. He's lying in a manger. Lying, that's the sign. 
That's the sign. This is a sign for us today. What is a sign that the gospel is true? How do you know it's true? How do you know it's not just fine-sounding words? Jesus is called the Christ in verse 11. Christ is a word that means, literally means anointed. Anointed. When a king was inaugurated as king to begin his reign as, uh, in his kingdom, he was anointed in the Old Testament by the priests who would anoint him with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit to empower him, to enable him to rule his kingdom. Now Christ, Jesus the Christ, the anointed, has a kingdom. That's everlasting. It's the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20, it says, The kingdom of God does not consist of words, but of power. Paul says it this way, Romans chapter 1, verse, verse 4. Jesus Christ proved to be the Son of God. He proved it with power by his resurrection from the dead. Same chapter, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God just for salvation to all who believe. The proof of the gospel is in its power. The truth of the gospel is in its power. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So then, when the angels when the angels told them, you know, the, 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 there's, power, there's power in God's word if you receive it by faith. There's power to convict you. There's power to direct you. There's power to speak to you if you receive it by faith. When the shepherds heard this message, this word from God above, the angels left them. They didn't waste any time. Verse 16 said they made haste. They said, Let's go see. We want to see. We want to take a look at this. And they got there. And they got there and they found. They found it. They verified it. They verified it's true what they were told. Not only, not only did they light up, it caused them to light up, but it caused everyone else to light up when they shared the news. Let's take a look. Verse 17. It says this. Ooh, I'm getting a little winded up here. <laughs> it says this. When they had seen him, here's the shepherds. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, listen to this, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. They were amazed. They were amazed at the message of God that came from the word of God. This was God speaking. And then the picture, and then the focus of the picture hones in on Mary. Verse 19. It hones in on Mary. Let's take a look at verse 19. It says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was meditating on the meaning of it all. She was cherishing it all. She was treasuring it all. You know, the word treasure there in the, literal, in the original language means to preserve, to keep safe, and to hold it close. And that's what Mary wanted to do. She wanted to preserve these memories. She wanted to hold it close into her heart. She wanted to meditate upon it. And isn't that what we're supposed to do with the Word of God? We're supposed to meditate upon it. We're supposed to treasure it. Amen? We're supposed to hold it close. The gospel. 
brings praise to our God. And he brings praise to our God. And that's what the shepherds were doing. They were praising God. Let's look at verse 20. Let's look at verse 20. It says this. After they shared the news, after everyone else was amazed, it says the shepherds returned. They returned to their fields. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and all the things they had seen. And it was just like they had been told. The truth of the gospel. It was true. It was true. They were praising God because it was true. The truth of the gospel. Praising God for the truth. Now, the re to receive the message of Jesus is to receive the Savior himself. Accepting him brings peace to your heart. No matter what hardship you may have to endure. He'll be with you like he was with Mary and with Joseph. Through their hardship, God gave them peace and provided for their needs. He watched over them like the shepherd watches over the sheep. God will guard your heart and your mind with peace, just like that great wall of Japan, if you trust him. Not only will receive, re receiving the message of Jesus bring peace to your heart, but it'll bring praise to God for the good news, the great news that God has given the greatest gift you've got, and you just got to receive it. And it's received by faith, and it's verified by its power. Like the invasion of the allied forces, Christ came to invade the darkness, the dominion of darkness, and to liberate us into the kingdom of light, to receive his light by receiving his word, the great theologian, late theologian John R.W. Stott said it this way. It is the word of God that evokes the worship of God. Open your eyes to see. Open your ears to hear. Open your heart to receive it. And when you do, God will open up heaven for you. Father God, we thank you for the Christmas message. Lord, that you gave the greatest gift in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't yet received this gift, Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit move in their heart and help them to say even now, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for my sins and rose again. And I receive you into my heart. I accept you as my Lord. Thank you, Lord, for showing us your love. Thank you, Lord, for showing us your light. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.